Pastor Xavier Reese with this reminder about God's far-reaching grace for sinners. But it is God who called you. You didn't get up one morning and decide all of a sudden, well, I think I'll be a Christian. You know, I'm tired of being a pagan. No. God, by His grace, reached out to you through the Word of God through somebody. He began to deal with your heart, and then that day came when He says, you've got to make a decision. And yet when you made that decision, Jesus says, you didn't choose me, I chose you. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. Timeshares may be convenient for vacation rentals, but not when it comes to your relationship with God. Today, as we continue our study from the book of Leviticus, Pastor Xavier enforces the importance of surrendering your life completely to the Lord, especially if you're called to serve Him in the ministry. Let's join him for today's lesson, The Consecration of Aaron. Leviticus chapter 8. The tabernacle has been erected. All the furnishings have been put in their proper place. And now the entire congregation of Israel is eagerly awaiting the consecration of Aaron as well as his sons. They were to be the mediators between God and man. You have to put, remember, Leviticus back between uh, the book of Exodus from chapter 25 all the way to Numbers chapter 10. This is where Leviticus fits in. Uh, God has met with them at Sinai. They have seen the love and the power of God as well as His wrath. They have broken covenant before they even received the law. God mercifully forgave them. He reestablishes that covenant. He has given all the instructions for the tabernacle, for the priests, for everything that's going on. They have erected the tabernacle. God's glory has appeared upon it. Now the entire nation is waiting for that mediator to come into office. This is a place where we're at here at chapter 8 of Leviticus. Remember up to this point it is Moses who has been the mediator. Remember in the mountain they said, Moses, you go. We don't want to talk to God. You talk to God and then you talk to us and that'll be fine. Because they saw that God was a holy God and they had broken that holiness. But now here it is. It's all put together, ready to go. And now God speaks to Moses to act as that mediator in the consecration of Aaron and his sons. The word consecration appears a few times here in chapter 8. The word consecration, the basic idea, it is used through various forms in the Old Testament, but the basic idea is to fill the hand. It is used in fulfilling God's prophecies and, and God fulfilling the work that He's promised, but it basically the idea is of filling the hand. In other words, of completing, of, of equipping, of doing the work himself. And truly, the consecration of any person has to be done totally by God. The danger is that we come to a place where we think that we have done something that has added to God, or God has chosen us by some virtue of our own goodness. And the truth of the matter is, we look and we search from Genesis to Revelation, is there is none good, no, not one. And God, by His grace, has reached out and has taken sinful man, made him holy and made him a vessel unto himself by His grace, by His love. So that danger is always present. Now, there are three things that kind of stand out in the consecration of Aaron and his sons. We're not going to look at every verse of chapter 8, but there are some that we're going to center on. But there are three things. First of all, we want to look 
at the call for consecration, and that is verse 1 through 5 of chapter 8. Then we want to move on to the provisions in consecration, verses 6 through 9, and we're going to mention verse 13, his sons. Then we want to finish by looking at the anointing at consecration, and that will take us through various verses of chapter 8, and we'll go through them as we come to them. Let's look at the call for consecration. Notice the first five verses. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Take Aaron and his sons with him, and the garments, the anointing oil, the bull as a sin offering, two rams as a basket of unleavened bread, and gather all the congregation together at the door of the tabernacle of meeting. So Moses did as the Lord commanded him, and the assembly was gathered together at the door of the tabernacle of meeting. And Moses said to the congregation, This is what the Lord commanded to be done. Notice, first of all, that God ordained Aaron and his sons in verses 1 and the first portion of 2. Men are called from among men, but not by men. They are called by God. Too often people look upon the ministry or church or preachers and teachers and, and they think that they have made that decision now. If you have made a decision in your own heart to become a minister or to become a, a, a servant of God by your own call and you've set out the program to go to seminary and everything else, but God has not called you, you will not be effective. I have nothing against education. Get all you can, but when you get it, don't depend upon it. As we're going to see, the most important thing is that God has called you and later on that God has anointed you. And there are many who have chosen uh, the profession, if you will, of being a minister. And they have done a disservice to the people as well as to God. It is not something that a man calls himself to. It is something that happens as God draws nigh and calls that individual. The book of Hebrews in chapter 5. Remember, Hebrews is the fulfillment and the, really the interpretation of Leviticus, and it's all reference to Jesus Christ. But in the book of Hebrews, chapter 5, verse 1 through 4, it says, For every high priest taken from among men is appointed for men, notice that, in things pertaining to God, that he may offer both gifts and sacrifice for sins. He can have compassion on those who are ignorant and going astray, since he himself is also beset by weaknesses. In other words, he's a man like anybody else, and he's sinful like anybody else, and he's picked from among men, but not by men. Because of this, he is required as for the people, so also for himself to offer for sins. And no man takes this honor to himself, but he who is called by God, just as Aaron was. Aaron did not, they didn't just decide, okay, you know, Moses... You're my big brother, and God has called you, and I have helped you out in Egypt. You know, I think it's only right that I have the second place. That isn't the way it works. And sometimes people work out in the church that way. God begins to work, and they begin as friends, and the Lord begins to bless, and all of a sudden, it's now no longer God calling the people, but you start setting people up because of your friends or because they, they give the most money and everything else, and you start getting in trouble. It has to be God who anoints and calls the men. Very important. God told Jeremiah that he knew him before he was in his mother's womb. And he had ordained him to be a prophet to the nation in Jeremiah 1.5. I mean, I did not know that God had called me till 1973. 
I accepted the Lord in July. But even when I accepted the Lord in July, I had no idea that He was going to call me to ministry. But walking with the Lord, step at a time, God revealed it and made it evident. And He opened those doors and He gave the desire. But I didn't know it right at the time. He told Jeremiah, Jeremiah, quit thinking that you're only a young man. I've, I've ordained you. I've separated from your mother. I knew you before you were even in there. And I have anointed you. Paul the Apostle declares to the Galatians in Galatians 1, 15 and 16 that God has separated him from his mother's womb to preach to the Gentiles by his grace. You see, God is the one that takes the initiation, the initiative, and he calls and he anoints. God has called some of you in various forms. God has dispersed gifts among the body. Your, your gifts are to be operative within the body. Your calling is to be worked out within the body so that the body can receive the benefit and the full edification that God desires to build here. Tragically, too often today in the church, people just sit. People just want to be served. And, and God has brought you here to serve, not to be served. That's the principle of servant leadership. And you are to respond to that call. God has anointed you. God has called you. God has set you apart for this work. Remember that God had taken the Levites for himself as an exchange for the firstborn. Remember in the Exodus, he had separated all the firstborn unto himself in Exodus 13, verse 1 and 2. And then later on in the book of Numbers, when we get there, chapter 3, verse 13 and verse 41 through 45, God says, I'll tell you what, I'm going to give you guys your firstborn in exchange for the Levites. So I want you to count all the Levites, and I want you to count all the firstborn, and if you have more firstborn, then I'll buy them back. And he gave the money in exchange for the difference. And so now the Levites were set apart for God. And remember, the Levites had three tribes, the Merarites, the Gershonites, and the Kohathites. And they had all the different duties of the tent. Some were to just take the tent down, others were to carry the furnishings, and they had their various uh, uh, duties and the responsibilities, all flowing together so that the worship of God would not only exist but flourish and that the walk with God would be possible. They were a link, a key. You are a link. You're a key to whatever God desires to do in this area. So my responsibility is to equip you for whatever God has in your life. And if God calls you out to put you somewhere else, praise God. Go bless Him. But just make sure that you are being obedient to his call. Whatever that may be. Only you know what that is. I cannot tell you what that call is. You walk with God. He has saved you. He has anointed you. He has gifted you with the various gifts. Notice also that God prescribes a specific standard by his revelation in verse, the rest of verse 2 there in verse 3. The various objects necessary he gives there. The garments, the anointing oil, the sin offering, the ram, the basket of unleavened bread. And then the congregation as a witness in verse 3, to stand at the door of the tabernacle. You see, whatever comes out of a ministry, whatever is being operative, it has to be according to God's revelation. If you're going to start doing things according to your way, then you're doing things just like you did before you came to Christ. You must live your life out as God has declared in His revelation. Now that's not easy, and that's why He's called you. But if He's called you, He's also equipped you. 
And so the standard is the word of God. And when men and women get apart from the word of God, that revelation, then they get themselves in trouble. And you can look around. I don't have to name names or ministries, but look around. If you've been around for a while, you see people who began in the spirit but ended up in the flesh. Paul the Apostle tells the Galatians, are you so, so crazy, so foolish? Idiotic, literally the word says. That you've begun in the spirit, but now you're going to be made perfect in the flesh. How can that be? And many times God does call people and God does raise the work, but men begin to walk in the flesh and that work becomes totally null and void. It becomes a work of man and not a work of God. One of the most tremendous things is to see God work, to stay completely out of the way and to see God do something so overwhelming that you're overwhelmed, you're dumbfounded. Everybody says, oh, yeah, and you look around, you, say, you, don't, you don't know how. It's God. He asks the church daily said you should be saved. There are some basic things that we all should be doing, whatever the word says, but there's no key. It's not because of me. It's not because of what's being done. It's, it's in spite of every one of us. It's because God has a work and God desires to do, and he's looking for a people that just open their heart and to be used. That's all he wants. Nothing else. That the entire world may be dumbfounded. They look to you. They look to the people coming here, and they say, well, they're not any different than others. I mean, if I had to pick a people, I would have picked a, a, a lot better class of people. And God gets glorified. I mean, everybody's always wondering why God picked the Jews. I got a better question. Why did he pick you? Why did he pick me? <laughs> why not? He's sovereign. He does what he wills. Notice that God requires complete obedience to his word in verses 4 and 5. Moses did as the Lord commanded. At the end of verse 5, this is what the Lord commanded to be done. Nine times in chapter 8, it is stated, Moses did as the Lord commanded. Verse 4, verse 5, verse 9, verse 13, verse 17, verse 21, verse 29, verse 34, verse 36. And you will find this in chapter 9 and chapter 10. This is a key to these three chapters. These three chapters go together. You have Aaron's consecration in chapter 8. You have Aaron's inauguration in chapter 9. And you have Aaron's son's transgression in chapter 10. They are a unit. They are a unit. But the key is obedience. But not only to chapter 8, as I said, but chapter 9 and chapter 10. 1 Samuel 15, 22, remember when Saul disobeyed Samuel and he entered the sacrifice of priesthood and, and Samuel said it's better to obey than to sacrifice and to hearken to the fat of rams. For rebelliousness is as the sin of witchcraft. Whoa. When you and I disobey the Lord, we're paying heed to a different spirit and it's not the spirit of God. And so obedience, not only here, but through the entire scriptures, through your entire life, God desires you and myself to be obedient. Why? Because he wants to give you the best. He wants you to be effective for him. And he wants you to be efficient for him. He wants you to work on 100% efficiency. Not 50%, but 100%. And so obedience, regardless how we cut it through the scriptures, it comes down to that. Doesn't that very simple? Obedience. Sometimes we pray, Lord, do this. Lord, why not this? Lord, I need that. 
But then after we pray, we don't get up and obey. And yet God desires us to be part of that work through obedience. Obedience to what? Obedience to the word of God, what he has revealed. Nothing less than that. Here you have the call for consecration. The call for consecration must be of God. It must be of God. You take that over to your own life. You're, you're consecrated by God as a believer. You're called to be a Christian. You're called to give a light to this world, to give a picture to this world of hope and of light and of answers. Because this world is dark and it's dying. And the more we move on, the darker it's going to get. And hopefully the more that we shine. And so God has consecrated you and myself for His will, for His purposes. But it is God who called you. You didn't get up one morning and decide all of a sudden, well, I think I'll be a Christian. You know, I'm tired of being a pagan. You know, I'm tired of just getting loaded all the time and drinking and carousing around. I think I'll change my life. No. But God, by His grace, reached out to you through the Word of God, through somebody, whether it be radio, television, or somebody ministering unto you. And He began to deal with your heart, and God began as... John Wesley calls prevenient grace, even before you're saved, there's grace, and he's working on your heart to bring you there, a step at a time. And then that day came when he says, you've got to make a decision. You've got to choose. And you made that decision. And yet when you made that decision, Jesus says, you didn't choose me, I chose you. <laughs> How does that work? I don't know. Does that mean that if I'm chosen, then I don't have to do anything? No, I don't think so. I mean, you know how to swim, right? You jump in the water. Does that mean just because you jump in the water, you're going to swim? And if you don't want to swim, you drown. You've got your part to do. Does that mean that you have some dealing with salvation? None at all. Well, I don't understand that. Good. Join the club. But God's always there to draw men and draw women to himself. And that's a mystery that we will understand when we get there but never on this side of heaven. And so the call of, for consecration must be of God. No one but God. Next, we want to look at the provisions in consecration, which are found in verses 6 through 9, and then we'll look at verse 13 also. He says, Then Moses brought Aaron and his sons and washed them with water, and he put the tunic on him, girded him with the sash, clothed him with the robe, and put ephod on him, and girded him with the intricately woven uh, band of ephod, and with it he tied the ephod on him. Then he put the breastplates on him, he put on the Urim and the Thummim, and the breastplate, and he put the turban on his head, also on the, on the turban in its front, he put the golden plate, the holy crown, as the Lord, had commanded Moses. Here we have the provisions in the consecration. The details for all this instruction is given in Exodus chapter 28, 29, and chapter 39. And there you read how all these are beautiful blue and purple and violet and linen and, and gold and silk. I mean, just all this stuff. I mean, this guy was decked out. I mean, he was the high priest. God gave exactly the design, the pattern. He, he anointed the, the craftsman to do it. God did everything. Notice first in verse 6 that Moses 
was to wash their bodies. What was he to wash them with? With water. Now, it was a ceremonial washing. It wasn't washing to cleanse them from sin, but it was a ceremonial cleansing of an answer of a good conscience. You remember that Peter tells us in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 21, he speaks about the baptism of the believer. It is like Noah's flood, and it's an answer to a good conscience, but not putting away the filth of the flesh. In other words, it was ceremonial and ritual, an answer to his good conscience that God is holy he was sinful, and before he could come to God, there has to be a cleansing, a giving of oneself over to God. We are washed by the Word of God continuously. As we are Christians, Jesus said to his disciples in John 15, 3, you are cleansed by the words I have spoken unto you. How often have you and myself come to the Word of God and it's been like a cleansing. And God has spoken to us. And we're going through something. And it's like just a bath. You know, you've been away on a camping trip for two or three weeks. And you haven't had a shower every day. And you've been gone about three days now on the road. And you get home. And man, there's nothing that, that you want more than just to get into the shower. And you get in there and you just, oh, you just relax. Cleansing. The Word of God. Wherewithal will a young man cleanse his ways? He says, in my heart have I hid your word that I might not sin against you. You are cleansed by the words I have spoken unto you. Jesus will provide and present to himself a bride without wrinkle or any such thing by the washing of the water by the word, Ephesians 5.26. It is symbolic water of the word of God. It's a cleansing agent. It brings us peace, tranquility, a clear and good conscience that we can come before God. Because the Word of God abides in me, it resides in me, it is transforming me into His image. Now after this initial washing of verse 6, the priest would only have to wash their hands and their feet. No longer an entire bath. And you find that in Exodus 30, verse 19 through 20. And also in chapter 40 of Exodus, verses 30 through 31. Why only the hands and the feet? Because this was the consecration, and then in the next chapter, he gets the inauguration, and here he is being set apart, completely bathed, but once he is inaugurated into the office of priest, then all he has to do is clean his hands and his feet, because it's the hands and the feet that get dirty in everyday life, don't they? Jesus himself in John chapter 13, remember the night before he was betrayed, as his disciples were arguing who was the greatest in the kingdom again for the third time. He took a bowl and a towel and girded himself and he began to wash feet. When he came to Peter, he says, Not so, Lord. And, Peter, and the Lord told Peter, If I don't, can't wash your feet, you have neither part nor lot with me. And Peter says, Give me a bath, Lord. And then Jesus says, No, no, no. You have been washed, luo, bathed. But now you need to wash nipto, your feet. But the word nipto is a portion. Only your feet, because you're saved, you're washed, you're sanctified, you are forgiven. But every day we need to wash ourselves with the blood and with the Word, don't we? Because we are not perfect. And so we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness, 1 John 1, 9 says. We have an advocate for the defense, a lawyer for the defense, Jesus Christ the righteous, 1 John 2, 1. 
in case we fall, in case we stumble, in case we miss the mark. And so you and I need to wash our feet and our hands daily, as often as we need to. We don't need to be saved all over again. We have been bathed by the blood of Jesus Christ. But we need to make sure that we keep washing and keeping right before God. Pastor Xavier Reese, reminding us about the importance of keeping a short sin account. And you can request a copy of today's lesson called The Consecration of Aaron. It's available on CD for just $4. And why not request an additional copy to share with those in your church or home Bible study? The title to ask for once again is The Consecration of Aaron. Or simply mention today's date when you write Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make a request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And thanks for remembering to include the call letters of this station when you contact us. Question, are you an owner or a steward of your possessions? Join Pastor Xavier Reese as he explores the goodness of the provider that's right here on the next edition of Simple Truths. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com